Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So Catherine's in Montreal, but unlike last week, uh, the tournament isn't just about to start. It has just finished amidst confetti and a champion who is the same as last year with Rafael Nadal winning there. A very different situation in Toronto where Bianca Andreescu has reminded us how brilliant she was in Indian Wells before all the shoulder problems. She's beaten uh, Serena Williams, albeit in very disappointing circumstances because Serena's retired. And Catherine, what is on the room service menu tonight? <laughs> Nothing yet. No interruption scheduled. Oh. So if you're tu- if you're tuning in for the Arctic Jar, you're going to be disappointed. I'll consider myself disappointed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but still, how's the week been? Oh, it's been it's been great. Really, really great. Um, I love the tournament here in Montreal. Today was disappointing really disappointing both finals um for very different reasons were not thrilling um rafa was obviously brilliant um very much extenuating circumstances in toronto but overall i am a big fan of the rogers cup in montreal Mm. i i think everybody does feel a bit a bit short-changed today. It's I mean, circumstantial in terms of Serena Williams obviously getting a back spasm, but it looked such an appetising day of play, didn't it? Because of, of everything that had gone before. I mean, you couldn't get a better storyline, I don't think, than Serena Williams against Bianca Andreescu, who's 19 years of age, playing in a hometown tournament and in the final, with Serena looking back to her best. And for it to finish after four games was just crushingly disappointing and I mean obviously particularly for Serena Williams who was who was in tears it was was sad to see that but at the same time shows just how much it all means to her Um, and then you'd got Daniel Medvedev who's played just so well all week and he couldn't really put a mark on Nadal out there today. Should, should we start with with Serena and and Andreescu and, and and actually just more generally the run that Andreescu's had to this title because once again she's done it in a a pretty scenic route, hasn't she? She's had three set matches. Every match seems to contain drama of some kind. Yes, yeah, she's Angelique Kerbin nailed it, didn't she? She's a drama queen. Um, and I think, you know, our own, uh, uh, the tennis community's only beef with Kerber saying that, as she did back at Indian Wells, was that she didn't own it afterwards. I mean, yeah, she's a drama queen. I suspect that Andreescu might well own up to being a drama queen. You know, she creates drama in tennis matches and then thrives on it. It's extraordinary. It's, it's I mean, she is... Look... <laughs> I know we're probably going to end up having, or tennis in general is going to end up having discussion over and over about her likability. And I don't necessarily want to be friends with her. I don't necessarily want to go to the pub with her. I don't like her particularly in that way. But in terms of tennis, 
I like her all in. I think she's fearless and not afraid to ruffle feathers, not afraid to be a disruptor. She doesn't she doesn't mind what people think of her. You made the point on our WhatsApp chat earlier that maybe that's because she thinks everybody loves her at the moment. And when, you know, the, the, the negativity starts as it inevitably does, maybe things will be different then. But we'll see. Um, so attitude-wise, I think she's abrasive. But I absolutely love it tennis is ready for abrasis Sophia Kennan Sonia Kennan whatever we're supposed to call her she's the same isn't she little bit abrasive Danielle Collins I'm I'm all up for abrasiveness in tennis we've had a we've had a big old respectful loving for a long time and that's that's great but I'm ready for change the the thing is whereas with Daniel Collins and Sophia Kennan their games really seem to match those personalities that as you say they're abrasive they're in your face and they just bring their games to you Andrescu can beat you in so many different ways and the fact that she she adds such subtlety to the abrasiveness makes her all the more appealing to me I, I, I mean I'm I'm not talking about abrasive forehands and backhands, although she does have those. I'm talking more about the the chewed. I know. I I, I, oh, right, I, okay. I understand you are, but I mean, I kind of feel like the game of somebody like Kenin matches her own personality, mm. whereas oh, I feel okay, with yes. Andrescu, there's so much to her game that um, I don't I don't really know if that's a reflection of who she is. I kind of think it probably is. I think there are probably all sorts of layers to Andrescu, but I. I do love the fact that she just just lets you have it. <laughs> she yeah, just turns great, up and she says, it? this is me, everybody. Um, you're going to get it today, whatever I am. I'm not even going to give it a second thought. And I'm just going to come out there. And she she can knock you off the court. She can slice and dice you. She can serve you to into oblivion. And she has done it against the very best players in the world there was that match against Karolina Pliskova I turned on for the sort of latter stages of that a couple of days ago and we'd got Conchita Martinez on court giving Pliskova the once over the proper pep talk and from a player who's been there and done it about what she wanted her to do and she came out and Pliskova barely won another point after this, uh, in, and, and I don't blame Martinez, Martinez, sorry, for that at all, because everything she was saying to her seemed to make total sense to me. Uh, but Andreescu has something else. She's she's kind of five players wrapped up in one, five of the best players you can imagine wrapped up in one, and uh, and she just she has the potential to be really anything she wants within the sport because of her her gifts um it's just it reminded you today and the last few days what what we've been missing the last six months with the shoulder problem and just how or rather the last four months and how how bad that could be for tennis if she doesn't get it sorted but well so far so good i mean there was no there were no reports although she's she's actually pulled out of cincinnati um there were no reports that the shoulder is causing her any sort of issue no i mean it was the the thigh wasn't it that was heavily heavily strapped throughout the week but didn't didn't really seem to be hampering her at all in fact in that semi-final with kenin both both of them had matching strapping on their thighs um yeah i mean she's she's just she's she's great and i've got no no issue at all with her lust for drama absolutely none you know i i i would always rather see a dramatic tennis match than a than a, a beautiful individual display of tennis you know nadal today in montreal was absolutely sublime I was blown away by him I appreciated that performance endlessly but I didn't enjoy that tennis match I didn't enjoy the you know just an hour and 10 minutes of foregone conclusion which is what it felt like from very early stages much to my surprise I have to say because I, I really I was really bigging up Daniel Medvedev at the beginning of the day as was Nick Kyrgios all week um so yeah I'm 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 totally all in 
for Bianca Andreescu. She's like one of those, you know, people in relationships that that need the drama, you know, and they create arguments. They create they create boyfriend drama where there doesn't have to be any just because they need it. She's like one of those, but with tennis. <laughs> I've not come across those before, <laughs> thankfully. They're everywhere. They are, they are among us, David. Uh, okay. Um, I'll take your word for it. So Serena Williams was... Well, there were, no, there were no obvious signs in the match that she was particularly struggling until, I suppose, and, and I only look at this in hindsight, she hit a forehand return two points before the end, which was one of the hardest-looking forehands I've ever seen. Um, and uh, it, it was a clean winner. Then she did the same with the backhand and missed it, and then she retired. And it was it was clear, you know, it was just there were those sort of bailout shots where you're where you're just hitting them as hard as you can and she but at the same time she she got back spasms is, is what I believe she she retired from and I think she she says she'd been struggling with that from the night before and it's a real shame isn't it because uh, she'd she'd found herself again in this tournament this the, the feeling has been for a while even though she's been getting to Grand Slam finals the feeling has been she needs more matches and her body keeps breaking down and stopping her having all of these matches. And yet this week she beat Naomi Osaka, really beat her quite comfortably in the first match that they've played since the US Open final of last year. And that look in her eye had was back and she looked, she looks fit. She looks, you know, full of energy and vigor out there. But I wonder... I wonder whether really she's going to be able to keep playing enough. I, I suspect I she's still in the draw in Cincinnati, but you wonder whether she'll be able to take her place. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only positive thing is that spasms in jet, that sounds sort of like a temporary thing rather than an ongoing thing. It sounds acute rather than chronic, maybe. Mm. But I guess we just don't know until, you know, she doesn't know until she sees how she pulls up over the next couple of days. Yeah, I mean, with the benefit of hindsight, I'm absolutely not claiming that <laughs> any of us were saying this at the time of all of uh, her runs to the final. But with the benefit of hindsight, the three finals that Serena Williams had made since her comeback from from having her daughter, you were waiting for her to be exposed, weren't you? She had been perhaps a little bit flattered en route to those finals by by the draw and lack of challenge, etc. And then she's ended up being exposed in the finals. And obviously the US Open final, maybe you take that out of the equation and say that's that's a whole freak accident. Although you could argue a freak, freak accident precipitated by Serena Williams being completely outplayed or certainly a factor in it all. It really didn't feel like that this time. It I really didn't feel watching her matches up until the final that she was there for the taking if someone could step up look I, th- I thought Andrescu had a really good chance in the final but I didn't feel like Andrescu or anyone else for that matter could could expose Serena Williams if that makes sense she wasn't there for the taking she was much more like herself wasn't she yeah in this tournament she she reminded you of the player she was over the course of this week and that can only be a, a, as a result of playing plenty of matches, getting fit, not getting injured, having a lot of matches, which she's obviously had a few this week. And uh, yeah, as you say, let's hope those back spasms um, dissipate and she's able to play Cincinnati because I think that would do the world a good as well. Um, she's, I think she's, she said, I'm going to Cincy. I mean, obviously there's still time for her to, to pull out. She's not fit to play, but she fully intends to play and that in itself is big isn't it I mean she she had a big realization at Wimbledon I think about about I think it was Matt that said it after the final she can't just rock up and win grand slams anymore no she's got to punch the clock here and uh she's got to get get going as a as a professional player again and and I reckon that that must be must be pretty tough after so many years in the sport when you're so close to so many records and we're we're increasingly seeing now with the the top three male players the way they are also playing much more sparingly and trying to trying to peak for these grand slams but there is a there's a tipping point isn't there because if you overdo it if you if you 
don't play enough and then you or you schedule yourself with sort of oh i'm going to have this one before the next slam or those two and then you you don't win a couple of matches um you can be left really undercooked and she's obviously coming from way further back because she's got this sort of accumulative sort of rustiness uh, about her game and and uh so this yeah this could be a big week even though she ended up losing in the final today but well done uh to bianca andreescu uh just uh, in- uh, sorry dave just one last thing on andreescu she's won her first 10 matches against top 10 opposition wow uh, that's it's just not supposed to happen i think isn't it i think actually isn't it her first seven against top 10 players and then she's won her last 10 three setters ah. isn't that the record yeah i think oh. it is it sounds convincing yeah. okay she's, but she's won all so she's only played seven yeah right she, that's yeah. right she's what she's won all the matches she's played against top 10 opposition yeah i mean it is, that is <laughs> that is it's absurd really for, so, for a 19 year old as well and i mean you know she's been coming up against yeah the, the best players in the world and she's been yeah. beating them all um but yes those those stats just are mind-boggling and and explain why we're so so excited about her really just what i just want to keep watching her matches all the mm. time um and obviously because she was playing at home the you, you were describing earlier in the week about just how big a deal ogier seem and uh and Shapovalovar over in Montreal, and and you saw that with Andreescu in in Toronto today. The place is they're just so into it, aren't they? They they just love their own. Yeah, they. I, I'm really. I, I've I've been to both Montreal and Toronto before. I was in Montreal four years ago and Toronto three years ago. Just just crying at the top of the CN Tower. That's my abiding memory of Toronto. Um. Uh, but so I've experienced all this before, but that was that was all pre Shapovalov and Auger Aliasim and Andreescu. I mean, yeah, they had Milos Raonic, and I don't want to do him down. He was a finalist here in Toronto in 2013. He's he's a big deal, but this is different. This is really different. I am really blown away by the knowledge of the Canadian crowds about tennis on uh, on the first day that I was out here last Sunday in fact so on the eve of the tournament um I went out to watch Andy Murray practice he was having a uh, practice set against Kyle Edmund and of, of course more on Andy Murray to come folks um and it had been advertised in the pra- practice set schedule which is made public that that he would be out there on, you know, whatever outside court it was. Um, so I was out there watching and cameraman was there and just listening to to the buzz and the discussion in the crowd and they knew everything. They knew everything. Like, oh, that's Andy Murray. And, and someone else goes, wow, he's playing singles. That's great. I mean, he's he's been playing doubles for a few weeks. He played with uh, Lopez at Queen's and then with uh, Pierre Gerbert at Wimbledon, but he hasn't played singles since that hip resurfacing surgery in, in February. And then uh, then the mate goes, who's he hitting with? And then he goes, oh, yeah, that's, that's Kyle Edmund from Great Britain. Uh, and just reels off Kyle Edmund's list, list of results. Can for you the get year. him on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and this wasn't, I mean, that was one particular conversation I overheard, but in general, that it was high level murmurings hmm. among the crowd. So, knowledge, absolutely right up there. I mean, that's one of the things that's sort of tossed out casually so often um by commentators and pundits and something knowledgeable tennis crowd and sometimes i think well, is it is it really you know being into supporting your own and actually being knowledgeable about tennis are two very different things but i think they've got both things really going for them here because i tell you what the atmosphere the atmosphere and the first night session when Shapovalov played his first match and for Felix Auger Aliassime's third match up against Karen Hatchinov, those two atmospheres blew me away. Some of the best I have ever tasted in tennis. Really, I, it was spine tingling. Both those occasions were spine tingling. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking. And I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Do you think it works the way they have the two tournaments in separate cities alternating them between the men and women each year? God, yeah, I'd love it. I think I said that on our um on our one of our most recent any questions podcast. Mm. Matt was talking about proposing sort of biannual events and biannual swings, you know, the the proposition that the tennis calendar doesn't have to be the same year on year and I think sort of the the Montreal Toronto template I know it wouldn't work everywhere but I'm surprised it's not used slightly on a slightly more because I I think it works brilliantly and you see you know today there was a, a gap of around about an hour in between the doubles final and the singles final and you saw everybody in the stadium watching tuning in to watch uh Andreescu Serena I mean obviously they were disappointed in the end by what they had to watch but you know everybody in Montreal and in that stadium was aware of what was going on in Toronto and in any gaps they popped Toronto on the big screen you know Andreescu's matches were were pumping out it it amazingly given you know obviously the separation of of distance it feels like a coherent one big tennis loving across two cities and obviously you have the 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 sort of added element of cultural diversity in Canada where one is French speaking and one is English speaking and I don't know it's just it's a it's a big old happy melting pot of tennis David. A bit bit like Australia in that way I feel like when Melbourne when the Australian Open happens the whole place just falls in love with tennis it's 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 the most important thing in town. It's Um, the biggest show in town apart from Iron Maiden, who played here on Monday night. Oh, were you there? And uh, I mean, you, honestly, you walked out in the street, and I felt—I think I was the only person in Montreal not wearing an Iron Maiden T-shirt. Did you go and buy one? It was like some kind of convention or something. Did you I'd, rock up in I, your I mean, tennis where, podcast T-shirt? Where would I go and buy an Iron Maiden T-shirt? I don't know. <laughs> I, it was. Yeah, it was quite something. I'd love to see you go to an Iron Maiden concert <laughs> in a tennis podcast T-shirt. I would love that. There are, you can get those, folks, uh, in our tennis <laughs> podcast shop. Uh, nice little segue. Uh, Tennispodcast.net. Go and have a look. We've got T-shirts. Um, so, right. Rafael Nadal 
has basically thrashed everybody, including Daniel Medvedev in the final. He was a set and a breakdown against Fabio Fanini, but that that didn't last. Fanini f- physically was struggling f- throughout the rest of that match. But Nadal, he has picked up, hasn't he, where he left off, really. He, you, you were bowled over by his form at Wimbledon and Federer, OK, got the job done in the end to, to beat him. But that's the French Open, a good Wimbledon. He's come on and he's played his single hardcourt tournament. We're, we're not, ex- I mean, he hasn't pulled out of Cincinnati as we speak right now. He said he will go away, speak to his team and, and, and decide. But we're fully expecting him to pull out of Cincinnati, which is what he did when he won the title last year, and have his 10 days and then come into to the US Open. But he he just looks as good as ever, doesn't he? Yeah, it is the first time he has ever defended a title away from clay, which is an unbelievable fact, isn't it? And just an unbelievable thing that at 33 years of age, after 16 years on tour, that he's still achieving firsts. I find that amazing. Of course, when I asked him about that, he went, oh, I, I don't think about defending. And, you know, I don't think about that. No, no, none of these things that we attach import to, Rafa doesn't attach any import to them at all. He just, it's just see tennis ball, hit tennis ball. Or he says that. Do, does he Does he really? Does he, I mean, do we believe it? I believe that he doesn't attach much import to things like that. I don't believe he's not interested in records at all. Um Maybe he is just, maybe all he cares about is the race, David. He's just (laughs) lying in bed tonight thinking, okay, title's a title, but this is 1,000 points on my my race tally. I don't know. I suppose, I mean, mean, look, do you know, I think he cares about the records. It's just that he, if he's going to achieve those records, he has to concentrate on the here and now. So the more he says that, the more comfortable I think he feels. As he, as he goes about his everyday business, um, so. yeah. But I also, but I also do think he is more just single and simple-minded than the the other two of, of the big three. He doesn't look at the big picture as much as they do. He's aware of it and he wants those records. But fundamentally, for him, it comes down to walk on tennis court, pummel. Pummel forehands, pummel backhands. And compete. Win, compete. He loves win. to compete, yeah. I think, probably more than any player I've ever seen. I, I think people like Andy Murray come close. Just a person who just, it doesn't matter Will. what it is, just wants to take you on and see if he can beat you. <laughs> That's what he's all about. Um, yeah, and he definitely could beat Daniil Medvedev today. Who had a fantastic uh, week, didn't he, Medvedev? I mean, he 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 thrashed Carl Edmund. He he beat everybody before him on the way to the final. And the fact that it was a, a one-sided, disappointing final come, came as a surprise in the end, just because Medvedev was playing so well on the way there. I mean, did you was your sense that he he played below par? I mean, I, I, there were some rallies as he was trying to push him where I thought he was really playing well and he still wasn't winning them, but I couldn't really tell how much of it was him not playing well and Nadal playing exceptionally. He was just playing out of his comfort zone in the way that, that he was feeling like he had to do more and do different than all the things he had done that had got him to the final for the loss of, I think, just 20 games. I mean, he was... Medvedev was barely losing games this week in Montreal. He was extraordinary. I watched him absolutely blitz Kyle Edmund. And it was not it was not a performance for Kyle Edmund to be hugely proud of. But, I mean, Medvedev was just... I, I don't... In my head, I've done a bit of a readjustment of Medvedev in my head this week because I thought of him as, you know, a a rising, improving impressive grinding tennis player but I never thought of him as somebody that could blitz past anyone I thought of yeah I thought of him as a grinder um he a really, really a, good grinder he impressed you off the court as well didn't he yeah I, I not just me I think he's won over a lot of a lot of fans this week in Montreal I mean I think they're they 
he unexpectedly speaks fluent French, does Daniil Medvedev. Um, so they weren't, they, they, yeah, I don't think the crowds were necessarily prepared for that. And the first time I saw him bust out a bit of French, there was this sort of, ooh, ooh, <laughs> in the crowd. And since then, they they really took him under their wing and it became a bit of a thing. And I asked him about it after his, I think it was after he beat Christian Garin in the third round. After he beat Kyle Edmund, I said, uh, I asked him, uh, slightly cheekily, but I thought, oh, you know, I'll go for it. I said, oh, were you... So uh, Kyle Edmund had beaten Nick Kyrgios in the opening round and Medvedev had had a, a bye as one of the top eight seeds. So I said, oh, how relieved were you? Or were you relieved not that this match wasn't against Nick Kyrgios? Because um, obviously he just lost, lost to Kyrgios in the final in Washington. He said, oh, yeah, very relieved. <laughs> I was delighted. <laughs> <laughs> and rightly so, because I've ju- I've just beaten Kyle Edmund, and that's panned out brilliantly. And I probably wouldn't have beaten Nick Kyrgios three in love. And I thought, all oh, right, this this guy's cool. Um, so after his next victory, I said, oh, you know, you're the the crowd are really warming to you here. Do you think it's the French speaking? And he said, yeah, I can't really think of any other reason why they'd be liking me here. It must be the French. <laughs> Um, so that's great disarmingly honest disarmingly honest and again today uh, I interviewed him after he after he lost the final came to his press conference came did an interview and um, was delightful but was not delightful in it sometimes I I worry about players when they're not sufficiently gutted after defeat I think oh I want you to be a little bit more annoyed and a little bit more gutted about that Um, he was he was I think he's just I think he's quite sparky and bright and um, was already able to put the defeat into context. He was all the cogs were already whirring. He was already learning from it. He was always he was already going right. Okay, that's the first time I've played Nadal. It went really badly. What have I learned about what what's required of me to even get close to that level? You could see those cogs turning, um, and he, he said. In his press conference, he said, you know, that I, I learned from losing to, to Djokovic the first time I played him. And of course, you know, I, I ended up finally getting a win over him in Montreal earlier this year. You could see him thinking, you know, it's only a matter of time for me before I'm able to, to beat Nadal. He might he might be wrong. I mean, obviously, the gap today was, was huge. Let's be honest. It was huge. He was, he was a... A notch above the rest of the next gen, hashtag next gen, uh, this week. And Rafael Nadal was probably three notches above Medvedev today. Yep. So the top it's three another, keep let's be going. honest, it's another dispiriting week for for this next generation. That gap isn't closing. No. It's really not. Uh, so well done, Rafael Nadal. Uh, and uh, like I say, we, we don't really expect to see him again now until the US Open. Probably go back to Mallorca and put his feet up for a bit and then start training. Um, so it'll all be very interesting. Uh, this time last week, we were spending 20 minutes talking about Nick Kyrgios and how, how <laughs> won over we were. And then he lost in the first round to Kyle Edmund. Yeah, he's going to win everything. He's going to win everything. He's going to be world number one. Oh, he's lost it in the first round. White towels, the lack of white towels at his court. He found that as his latest cause, and he had 20 minutes talking about that to the umpire, uh, and then he lost. So um, Talk, Talking about is a is a mild way of putting, of, of summing up that interaction. Yes, well, some of the words used began with F. Um, so there we are, there's Nick Kyrgios, and he goes on to Cincinnati now, and uh, he's been drawn in, in Djokovic's quarter, um, which uh, means we are desperate for that match to happen. Make it so. 2-0 is the head-to-head for Nick Kyrgios. Um, Djokovic is playing rather better than he did when uh, when those two matches happened. Kyrgios has had all these things to say about Djokovic, including how he's going to do his celebration in his face. Uh, if he was to beat him, and I was trying to. Ver- t- t- I was trying to think of a list of things that I would cancel in order to watch Djokovic against Kyrgios. Okay, what what have we what are we up to so far? I mean, just sort of everything, 
everything. Right. What wouldn't? What okay. I mean, what wouldn't you cancel, David, in order to watch? What would be important enough for you to say? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to miss Kyrgios against Djokovic. I've uh, got well, this to do. Even even if I I did have to go to my child's well picking up my child from somewhere that they otherwise couldn't get home from oh, given that taxi? they're seven they're seven and nine <laughs> um so you know may, maybe saying to our kids get yourself get yourself a taxi I'll, I'll i'll pay for it when you get home probably wouldn't go down so well but even if that happened i know that i'd do one of those where i recorded it and refu- you know just just basically put my fingers in my ears and my eyes my hands over my eyes as much as I could until I could watch it so that nobody could tell me the score would you mute the whatsapp group I would I have done that I have done that ahead of matches before particularly I've muted you absolutely (laughs) Uh, (laughs) for for other reasons yes usually when I'm getting shouted at (laughs) Um, but uh, no Um, so anyway that that could happen Nick Kyrgios against Novak Djokovic we wait to see Um, other matches I mean if it doesn't happen it's just it's not fair is it it has it it has to happen so Djokovic and Federer are going to return to action in Cincinnati Um, Federer has been drawn against Berrettini or Londero after a bye and then could face Favrinka or Dimitrov Berrettini will draw great confidence from their last meeting (laughs) the shortest ever Wimbledon fourth round men's match of all time yes Djokovic faces Query or Herbert and then it's Isner and then it's either Hatchinov Fanini or Kyrgios one of those three most likely um, and yes please and we've got Daniel Medvedev against Kyle Edmund first up uh, winner could face Stefano Tsitsipas in round three and I tell you what I yeah I asked Daniel Medvedev today you know are you gonna go to Cincy and he said oh yeah yeah, I mean, he's just made back-to-back finals. You'd think he's got all the matches he needs. It, it, it hadn't crossed his mind not to go. Nah. He, he's a worker, is, is yeah. Ol Medvedev. Amazing. Um, and a certain Mr. Andy Murray is in the singles draw in Cincinnati. And he's facing Richard Gasquet, winner to face Dominic Team, But... How does that make you feel to see Andy Murray in a draw? And how big of a surprise is that to you? Where did you feel that he would he would end up? I mean, I sort of, I really was on the fence as to whether he would. I I couldn't work it out whether he would play or not. How did you feel? It would very much surprise January, February, March me. It but even this you know, week, I was a bit surprised. Were you? Well, I think after he said what he said in Washington about best best case scenario. I thought at that point I thought it's more likely than not because I thought base I thought basically that indicated that he thinks he's on course for that and there would have to be a bump in the road for for him for him not to go for it and and he, he he's done a long interview um for for us with the prime video uh, that we ran a short clip of uh, today at the end of our coverage of the Montreal final and he just said look Basically, he's he's reached the max of what he can achieve with practice and what can he, he can achieve in terms of learning with practice. He said, I've reached the point where I have to take a leap and I have to try. Um, it makes me anxious. You asked how it makes me feel. It makes me really anxious because I think there's a chance that it will be a disaster, that he'll be he'll be nowhere near, and I don't want to see that. There's also a chance that he'll be great. Um, yeah. I just don't know, but it, I just I just don't want to see scenario one, and 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 it's a risk, and I think he's aware that it's a risk, but he's said, I don't know until I try. Yeah, I'm at the point now where I just have to try. I've tested my body enough in practice I know he's been giving himself very uh, he and his team have set very clear markers fitness markers practical markers um, that he's had to hit in order it's not just sort of feeling his way in the dark going oh yeah you know I feel all right maybe I'll give it a go they set themselves targets and markers and he's hit them so now it's just 
taking a leap because you know how many times do we hear any any player coming back from injury or coming back from any kind of setback you you cannot recreate a match situation as hard as you try in practice and, no you can't um, the stresses for, for for one and and the stresses make an impact on how you feel physically don't they and and the the sort of strain you put yourself under um yeah I agree with you. He's he's got to do it. He's also given an indication of just how serious he is right here by committing today to play in the tournaments in Zhuhai and then Beijing. So the 23rd to the 30th of September, then the 30th of September to the 6th of October. So two back-to-back weeks in Asia. That's a, a big commitment. He still hasn't said whether he's going to play singles at the US Open yet. Obviously, that's a different scenario altogether best of five sets um playing every other day over over two weeks so we'll i guess we'll just have to see in cincinnati but really the 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 framework for the comeback now is all there it's written down and it's on i mean (laughs) it still is pretty mind-boggling when you consider that six seven months ago he was standing on that court or, and, and more specifically, trying to get onto a stool to speak to you um, after that Roberto Bautista gut match. It is, isn't it? It's amazing how quickly we we readjust to a new normal. Mm. You know, to, you know, asking how how surprised I w- I was, and I wasn't even that. Yeah, after what he said in Washington, I suddenly made this big readjustment in my mind and thought oh well he's probably going to play singles in Cincy um and then when he announced that he was going to play singles in Cincinnati I thought oh right yeah of course yeah (laughs) as expected he's going to play singles in Cincinnati whereas actually none of this is remotely expected or remotely normal or remotely yeah I mean I suppose that nothing there is no such thing as normal because nobody nobody has attempted to 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 play singles tennis after having this surgery it has never been done before so yeah when when Andy Murray used that phrase I've just got to take the leap that just made total sense to me yeah um, because it is a total leap into the unknown it does. It is a total leap. And and he's going to play his first match against Richard Gasquet, third on court uh, on Monday. So when you're listening to this, it will be Monday. It's I think it's Monday now. As, as I saw to you, it is. One in the, <laughs> it's one in the morning here, folks. That's the sort of commitment that, I, that, uh, that we have for the tennis podcast around these parts. Uh, one in the morning in Solihull. Catherine's at 8 p.m. in uh, Montreal right now. And Andy Murray, yes, uh, will be playing... I, I, I guess in in about 18, 20 hours time from when we speak to you right now. Uh, and we very much intend, certainly Matt and I do, because I think you're going to be on a plane at that time, Catherine. But Matt and I intend to come and give you a bit of a tennis podcast review of how he's looked. Um, so we'll get that up and you can listen to it on the plane, Catherine. How's that? Great. All right. Okay. Uh, so let's see if I actually come through and do this because uh, uh, the way I feel right now, <laughs> I might need about four hours sleep at some point. But anyway, that's the plan. Uh, other draws in Cincinnati. The the re- I mean, it really is a, a cracking draw. There are going to be some pullouts, I suspect, ahead of some of these uh, matches. But how about these? Barty against either Sharapova or Risk. Um, <laughs> that's her first match. Wow. Kiki Burton's against Venus Williams. And Madison Keys against Garbinia Muguruza, first round. Oh, Just amazing, I think that, isn't that it? Venus Williams match uh, against Kiki Burton's is on the centre court on Monday just prior to, to Andy Murray. Yes, that's right. Yes, I did see that. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Roger Federer is going to be playing his first match as a 38-year-old, which is quite some going. Uh, he turned 38 a few days ago. And in other Roger Federer news, he and Rafael Nadal have joined the ATP Player Council, uh, joining Novak Djokovic and uh, several others, Kevin Anderson being amongst them. But you may remember that uh, several players, Jamie Murray, uh, Robin Harser, uh, a few others, stepped down at Wimbledon after one of the uh, one of the ageing meetings that they had, um, and they're all disillusioned. Well, Federer and Nadal have been 
sort of talking in press conferences, haven't they, really, over the last year and, and bemoaning not being kept abreast of things and s- expressing concern over the decisions that have been taken. And I think quite rightly that they have stepped up and actually joined the council and now we'll find out whether and what sort of impacts they they might be able to have. But it is, it is going, whatever happens next, it is going to be fascinating as to whether the two of them and Novak Djokovic can come together and sort of plan a way forward that that all those players can get behind uh, and a way that they can get through with the, the tournaments. I must say they've got a heck of a lot better chance of getting things through with Federer and Nadal on board as well. But whether 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 they move along together or, or whether they literally come on and, and say to... Novak Djokovic and one or two others. We don't agree with you. We're not. We we want to argue this case. It's it's just going to be so interesting. Yeah, I mean that's my interpretation. Um, that it it's not about that they're not doing this in order to to add weight to the existing direction of travel. They're doing this to try and arrest and divert the existing direction of travel. Is my is is the indication that I have on it but until until we start seeing decisions and votes and everything I don't know but I do something something about the fact that they're doing it together <laughs> makes me really emotional it's like a it's like a buddy cop movie isn't it it's I it's I don't Raffer know and Roger. Wh- whatever I don't know what they're gonna do I don't know I don't know how they're gonna do it but the fact that they have just the thought of them having phone calls um and going you know whatever we do guys we've got to do it together it just just the thought of all that really stirs me obviously we haven't heard from Federer we haven't heard from Djokovic yet uh, since this development happened Nadal was asked about it and he 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 said basically that that we were only going to do it do this if we did it together and and i think that that's really oh, important it's like frodo and samwise gamgee isn't it i th- I, j- I think it's really important because they are the most influential players in the sport on the men's side and their voices carry weight and they have been through all of this stuff together over the last however many years. And if they compare, can care about the future of the sport, then they've got to come in and do something about it. Um, so so good that they've done that. We, we await Djokovic's reaction with interest. I mean, he, he said he wanted, you know, he, he want, he, his they're quite welcome to come and speak to him. He's representing the players or the councillors represented the players. Well, at least now they're on the council and they can have this all out. Um, I, I think it's really good that they've, they've stepped up. Um, the, the, the other thing that Nadal was asked is whether um, Novak Djokovic had encouraged them to come on board. And Nadal very neatly sidestepped that question entirely. Um, and just explained that he 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 felt it was very important to come on board with Federer. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens next. Um, so Catherine, you are going to head off back home, um, and then you'll be presenting the last few days of Cincinnati for Amazon Prime Video. Then it's the U.S. Open. It's all go, isn't it? Um, loads of good stuff. Uh, I, I've also done a, a, a massive long interview this week. One of one of the most entertaining interviews that certainly that I've enjoyed. Anyway, we're, we're, I hope you all enjoy it as well because it's done for the tennis podcast. I'll tell you next week who it's with, and then we'll put it out between the next show and that our is, U.S. Open dailies. That is cheap clickbait, David. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's the cheapest. It's a tease, and uh, yeah, there we are. But it's good. And uh, right, Catherine. So you're going to if Djokovic Kyrgios doesn't happen, I'm just not going to not going to be on the podcast next week. I'm going to have a sulk. Oh, but we were going to all meet up together. I've got my train booked and everything. Yeah, but what? you've already booked your train. Yeah. <laughs> Me, you, the old gang. We were going to get back together. Would have been like oh, Federer and Nadal, the, the buddy cop we, movie again. Talk about the, the cricket or something. <laughs> Well, I'm coming anyway. Um, <laughs> me and Matt will go to the Putney Exchange on our own and we'll just have a third seat there, vacant. Okay. 
Maybe we could get those blokes down from Montreal who knew so much about tennis. They can they can sit in with us. Oh, can we borrow your dog or something, Rosie? <laughs> can she come just to keep us company? Uh, right then. So. Uh, yeah, we, we've got the US Open coming soon, folks. That means daily shows, daily editions of the Tennis Podcast, which you have kickstarted. Thank you all for doing so. Uh, that's what we do every December. We we try to create a budget so that we can um, make the show as good as we can. I think we're up to about 90 shows already so far for, for 2019. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Uh, it's a lot of talking to, to, to me, Catherine. Have you enjoyed it so far? <laughs> Overall, yes. <laughs> Splendid. Splendid. And uh, we, are, we are executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio with a Y, who, incidentally, you should go on Rio with a Y's Instagram uh, or the Tennis Podcast Instagram and see pictures of him wearing his Tennis Podcast merch, uh, especially for a dog, uh, with his little bowl. And everything it's fantastic it's it's really great content folks <laughs> that's, that's what you have notch. to say these days isn't top it not if you take a picture it has to be called content um yep. and uh we are brought to you in association with the telegraph and uh, matt roberts will be back with us next week that is the plan uh, but as i said we may well be back with another one of these podcasts a, a little one after andy murray's first round match in cincinnati he's back folks 